welcome to Fresh Pressed for November 10th, 2020. My name is Gabe. And my name is Andrew. This is a show about music where we talk about new tunes, and that's it this week. That is it this week. Why is that, Andrew? Well, uh, you are traveling this weekend, the weekend before this episode comes out. So we are recording Friday night, and we felt that given the uh, volatility of the whole scene, that maybe we shouldn't pick a a theme like four days before the episode comes out because it might be... I don't know. Anything could happen in the next couple of days. So we're just going to talk about the new tunes from today. Andrew, you did such a tactful, excellent way of describing everything that's happening here. Dear listener, dear future listener. I mean, it's always dear future listener. I know, but in this particular case, imagine the things that the people know on Tuesday. Woo! Yeah. That we don't know now. And shall not speculate upon. Okay. So, as we said, we are only doing new tunes this week. Yeah, and you are going to start, which is another weird thing we're doing. But that's because your song is sad, which is another weird thing we're doing. Gabe, tell us about your song. My song is sad, sort of. Complex and complicated and interesting, I think, also. Complex and complicated? Jeez. This song is titled SDC by the band Tongue off their new album, Tongue Presents Dead Club. I think this is another case of my picking something indecipherable for uh, artist, song, album, the whole thing. There's some all caps in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And weird spellings. And let me just break it down step by step. So SDC in this particular case stands for Swedish Death Cleaning, which obviously we'll get back to. Tongue is spelled T-U-N-N-G but it is pronounced like the muscle that's flopping around in your mouth. Maybe. That's flopping around in my mouth right now, that's for sure. Uh, There you go. (laughs) um, And Tongue Presents Dead Club is the name of the album title. So the entire album are songs grappling with death, but in a more abstract way, I guess, on the whole. Sort of. It's complex, but they, they... the group Tongue worked with a number of like researchers and philosophers and poets and artists and scientists of all ilks to kind of build this cohesive picture of uh, death, particularly in a society that is much less religious and may not believe in an afterlife and that sort of thing. I have heard that we live in a society. <laughs> Well, I think as of the recording of this podcast, we have yet to find out. Um, Jesus. So Tongue is uh, an English folk tronica band, is how they're described by both Wikipedia and then everybody. Okay. Because they're like folk and electronica, I guess is how that Yeah, works. no, I got that. I figured that one out. 
Um, and they're headed up by Mike Lindsay and Sam Genders in particular. Although also included in the band is Ashley Bates, Phil Winter, Becky Jacobs, and Martin Smith. Um, they've done some really interesting work on previous records, and they've worked with a variety of artists. Mike Lindsay and Sam Genders worked on, and toured with Doves when Doves was still a thing. Or is that Swans? Who am I? I can't remember. I can always get them confused. Whatever. Wavs? What are we talking about? Um, but band the band Doves. Um, they also Andrew played with, played worked with the group, um, Tinarowen. That's who are from the Tuareg. Oh, right. That's why I know who they are. Yeah. So you know we've done a number of Tuareg episodes at this point. So another little tie in there. This album was primarily inspired by Sam Gender's reading um, a book called Grief is the Thing with Feathers. Are you familiar? Have you read that, Andrew? Uh, no, I'm familiar with Hope is the Thing with Feathers. Yeah, right. This is a play off the Emily Dickinson poem, obviously. Uh, so it was written by Max Porter like maybe eight to ten years ago. Mm, Relatively Porter, recently. Yeah. Wow, he's still alive. God, man, just constant bad jokes on this one, huh? Mm. Would you prefer if I made a Max Martin joke? Because wow. this is a more modern music podcast. This book, I think, got a, quite a bit of attention in the English media and I think crossed over to this side of the Atlantic as well. So what I find cool is that so the entire album was sort of inspired by this reading and then... Sam Genders and the band took it to a bunch of different places. Now, they managed to get Max Porter to read clips and excerpts on the album. So on a couple of the later songs on the record, Max Porter himself was actually reading things that he wrote about death um, in the context of the record, which I think is uh, one of those really cool things when you're like an established artist and you can be like, Hey, you know what would be sweet? What if we just got the person who wrote the thing we liked? <laughs> so the whole album, Andrew, is an exploration of death from various perspectives um, and various cultural perspectives. It opens with um, a song about uh, eating the dead. A song entitled Eating the Dead, in fact. Yeah, sorry. That is the actual title, um, which was inspired in part by the Wari people. Uh, which is an indigenous group in Brazil that up until recently practiced mortuary cannibalism is the word hmm. for it. Now, of course, the song also uses that as a metaphor um, because, you know, music. This song, SDC, is about Swedish death cleaning, which was inspired specifically by a book by Margareta Magnusson, a Swedish author. Mm-hmm obviously he wrote a book titled the gentle art of swedish death cleaning it's i guess sort of the more morbid version of marie kondo just keep whatever sparks grief um so the song is about this practice that occurs in sweden and then was sort of popularized by this author uh, about the idea of as you are getting older and closer to death like it's more imminent, you should clean up your things and 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 go through all of your items slowly and but surely, so that when you die, you leave a more coherent picture for your loved ones 
your children, et cetera, um, who may have to then in turn go through what remains um, of, of what you left upon the earth materially, which is, I think, a concept that as an American maybe, but I don't know, maybe just a person, I instinctively recoil slightly from that idea. Like, yeah, you should start cleaning up your shit because you're going to die soon. Is sort of how that sounds to me. But mm-hmm. also I understand it from a, uh, a practical perspective and a like it's like part of leaving an inheritance to the people that you love or something for them. So this author, Margareta Magnuson, um, apparently writes this book wonderfully well and it's allegedly quite funny, as I think maybe you have to do whenever you're describing and dealing with something so close to death and that, that fear that we carry with us. Um, so this song very explicitly talks about this idea of Swedish death cleaning. One line that may stand out to you, dear listener, and I know stood out to Andrew because this was his first comment when I told him I picked this song, was, oh, is that the dildo song? Well, also on the album cover, there's like a little image for each song with a hand with something in it. And so I saw that first and then kept an ear out for the reference in the song itself. Yeah, so this is actually directly inspired by a quote in the book. You know, like this 80-plus-year-old Swedish woman is basically like, it's okay to keep one dildo, but don't keep 15, Um, which gets more or less replicated in the song, which, you know, I understand that sentiment. One sex toy is fine. 15 is perhaps too many. So this song specifically resonated with me recently because uh, my father is fairly ill nearing the end stages or in the end stages of his life. And last year, we moved him out of basically my childhood home. It's too big, uh, too easy to hurt, um, time to downsize. And we spent my brothers, um, my sister, my mother, and I spent time going through like all of the things that had accumulated over the year. And my dad sort of participated, but it was already at this point where it was difficult for him to to really contribute. And it was really difficult to go through and do this work. Like, do we keep this thing? Look at all these photos. You know, that's a line of the song. To start with photographs might have been a mistake. Hmm. That's something that very much resonated with me. You, like, hit a stack of photographs, and all of a sudden you spend, like, two hours, like, just, like, looking through them and looking at, like, oh, wow, that's my dad when he was, like, 19. Like, that's weird. That's crazy. Um, And it becomes very difficult to do the work and very painful, I think, for the person, the people who's, stuff it's not right like the whole idea of this of Swedish death cleaning is it's like the person who's accumulated all this stuff is the one getting rid of it so maybe they're less sentimental about stuff and it's less painful for them because it's their life yeah and it made me think and some of this experience with my dad has made me think about like the ways that we approach death in an American culture that is like very like reject at all costs 
um, there's less of an acceptance of it as a like natural part of life. Um, we see that a lot with with medical care. I know, you know, everybody knows stories of people or directly knows people who have had to struggle with um, the end stages of somebody else's life. Like, how do you specifically deal with that? Um, being a little bit closer to it as a child rather than as a grandchild or whatever um, has put a lot of it in very stark perspective, and it's really interesting. And this song is very poignant uh, about these ideas. So I thought that was really interesting and and it resonated a lot and you know I think that's what great art does more than anything else it it, it makes you think and approach ideas in maybe a new way um provides a different perspective of some sort yeah and I think this entire album does that there are lots of little recorded monologues um like at this song there's a little story that's told at the end about some family that was not prepared for their own father's aging and death. And maybe it makes you think a little about your own mortality in a more positive way, about about being responsible for how you exit this world as well. You know, not for the first time, we were very worried about what was going to happen as their father was dying. And their father was in his 90s, so his children were in their 60s and 70s. And yet they have never talked about what might happen to him. And when I asked them about what sorts of things their dad had said he would want, they just got really upset and talked about how they'd never talked about it. Andrew, I cannot identify any of the instruments in your song. What is happening here? Well, that's embarrassing because one of them is a viola, but... The worst string instrument. Uh, this song is entitled Heavy Mental... And it is off the new album Shuntas by Sangre de Muerdago. I don't know how to say any of these words, except for heavy mental. I feel pretty good about that one. Yeah, that one seems like English. Yeah, it seems like English, but you might be surprised. Um, no, it's English, I think, uh, unless it's not. I don't know. Anyway, <laughs> Sangre de Muertago is a Galician folk band with uh, a wider uh, sort of scope in their in their music than just that particular area of Spain. But um, that is sort of the, the basis of a lot of their work. And certainly you can tell from the language that most of the songs in this album are in that that is uh, the basis for a lot of their composition. Now, this song... Wait, can we talk about the language? Oh, yes, I'd love to. I'd love for you to talk about the language. Well, I just wanted to mention to the listeners that this is Galician, which is not a really widely recognized romance language, but it definitely is its own language. As you can tell, if you look at the lyrics, it looks like it's somewhere, or the, the, the titles of the song, they look like they're somewhere in between Spanish and Portuguese, which makes sense because Galicia is the region of Spain north of Portugal. They speak their own language there. 
that yeah again it's not considered a dialect of castilian spanish it's considered its own language it's one of four recognized languages in spain alongside catalan castilian spanish and basque and it's it's pretty interesting a section never it's a region of spain i haven't been to my partner's been there and said it's beautiful and and gorgeous and green and um but it really has its own identity similar to how catalonia has its own identity within the country of spain but you were saying something about the music. So uh, the group is uh, composed of primarily five uh, people. There are some guests on this album, but this is just the five core members of the group who are Eric Heimensberg. So right off the bat, we've we've exited Spain. <laughs> um, Hannah Wert, Georg Böhner, Asia Kindred Moore, and Pablo Ursuson, who uh, you may notice if you look at this uh, song on Spotify or some other like, streaming websites, he's credited separately because he's like the main composer behind a lot of the music. So that's why he is credited separately. He is part of the band. In this song, I will tell you what each of those musicians plays. Uh, Eric Heimensberg plays the Pandero de Peña Parda. Sorry? The Pandero de Peña Parda? Uh-huh. Sometimes called the Pandero Cuadrado de Peña Parda. Hmm. Um, it is a square frame drum. Oh, yeah, cuadrada. So it's it's like, imagine like if you have a small, like a, like a medium-sized canvas, like a painting, and that was your drum. That's sort of, it's not, it's, you know, it's not canvas, but like that is sort of the shape and size that you should imagine for this. Um, Hannah Wert plays the viola. Uh, Georg Berner plays the Nuckelharpe. We'll get to that in a bit. Uh, Asia Kindred Moore plays the Celtic harp. And Pablo Ursuson plays the hurdy gurdy. So I could listen. If this were not you, mm -hmm. I would think that you were making instruments up. <laughs> These all sound fake. The nuchal harpa? Yeah. That's not a, that's can't Celtic harp? Nonsense. Well, what's different about it? Why is it Celtic? It just I mean, it's it's a normal harp. I don't know. Look, that's not what I'm Also, were the Galicians Celts? Probably not. Asia Kindred Moore might not be a Galician, I don't know. Nobody knows. The nuchal harpa is Swedish. Oh, huh. Where's the hurdy gurdy from? Uh, unclear exactly. France, probably. Yeah, it does seem like a French instrument. Actually, Andrew, I don't know what a hurdy-gurdy is. And maybe okay, I well, great. either. Yeah, let's start with the hurdy-gurdy. First of all, let me say, I'm going to link this in the episode description. There's a great video of the band playing this song in a live session. And so you can see all five of them playing their different instruments. And, uh... I'm going to explain to you what the different ones are and what they sound like and the different things that they do in the song. And so you can then watch this and see all those things happen in real time. So the hurdy-gurdy is a string instrument and it is the uh, chief melodic instrument in this song. So all of that melody like that you are hearing in the song is the hurdy-gurdy. That's Pablo Ursusen playing that. Imagine a violin. For sure. And then take the neck, then take the, actually, okay, first what you're going to do 
is take that violin and just sort of stretch it from side to side so it's very fat. Okay. And then you're going to take the neck of it, take it off of the off of where the neck goes and place it just on top of the body. Yeah, okay, okay. And then you're going to make a lot of different changes to it, but that's sort of a, a general visual thing. So a violin, Gabe, you can answer this question. How does uh, a violinist or any other string instrument player make the strings make sound on a violin? Through what method are they? do they make the sound? So string instruments are played with bows primarily, this style of string instrument, played with a bow, mm-hmm. like a violin, that is made of horse hair, um, which has, I'm actually not entirely sure, but I think it has certain frictive properties that make it good, but then that is enhanced by using rosin, which I could not tell you what rosin actually is, some sort of amber dust basically rubbed onto the bow, which... Uh, creates the friction, which vibrates the strings, and then you move your fingers and put your fingers in different places on the strings to shorten or lengthen the string and thus create a higher or lower note. Excellent. That was great. So a hurdy-gurdy works in a lot of the same ways in principle, but in practice, uh, it, that, that those principles are carried out in a slightly different way. So the main thing, let's start with the bow. Um, instead of a bow, which you would use to, uh, you would run that bow across the top of the strings, right? Right. So instead of a bow, the hurdy-gurdy has a wooden wheel that is set inside the body of it and underneath the strings. And that wheel is attached to a crank that's on the outside of the instrument that you turn with one hand, turning that wheel, which does have rosin on it to make it, uh fricative i guess is the word that we're using against these strings but it's going on the underside of the strings which doesn't make a difference for the strings but is the opposite side that you would if you were playing it with a bow so that's the first thing um which means because it's a wheel you can just sort of play it infinitely you know violinists or someone are drawing the length of the bow across the string and there's of course if you're a good violinist you can make it sound as if you are not going back and forth but you are uh a hurdy-gurdy, you're just turning it in a circle forever and ever, and it's, it's always recurring, so it can just continue on. Wow. The second difference is there are fewer strings, or there might be more strings, or there might be the same amount of strings <laughs> as a violin. It varies. What are the What's the range in the number of strings on a hurdy-gurdy? you have any sense for that? Uh, you know, there's, there's not really a standardized form of the hurdy-gurdy in the same way that there is, like, the standardized form of the violin. But I would say anywhere from, you can probably make a hurdy-gurdy with three strings, and you could probably go up to six or seven strings. But uh, those strings are not all in se- all tuned to separate notes like a violin or another string instrument are. There are melodic strings, and then there are drone strings on the hurdy-gurdy. And they all stretch across the wheel, um, and they all get turned at the same time. They all get played at the same time although you can take them off of the wheel. So they're either on the wheel and getting played at the same time as any other string on the wheel, or they're off the wheel and not getting played at all. The drone strings are just stretched from the top to the bottom and are tuned to a specific pitch and are always that pitch. So if you have you know, two drone strings, they might both be tuned to the same note. They might both be tuned to 
let's say an A, and they, any time that they are playing, they are playing an A. You can't, you don't have any way to change the pitch of those. You might have another string that might be a fifth or a fourth separate from those strings that's on the opposite side that's also a drone and also has another function that I'll get to in a bit. But the more interesting thing is the melody strings. Those are also tuned to the same note as the drone strings, maybe in a different octave, but you can control the pitch of them in the same way that a violinist is pressing down onto the string and onto the fretboard to shorten the, the length of the string, essentially. A hurdy-gurdy player is pressing a key on the outside of the instrument, which pushes a wooden stick called a tangent against the strings on the like under this little cover in the instrument that uh, frets it in the same way that you would fret a violin or a guitar at a certain point to change the note. So what that means is, as you're turning this wheel with your with your right hand, with your left hand you are pressing these keys and the drone strings are always going to be the same note and when you're not pressing any keys the melody strings are going to be that same note but when you start pressing the keys the melody strings will change while the drone strings stay the same and the keyboard on the hurdy-gurdy is just basically the same as a piano or more accurately more like a harpsichord in that the black keys and the white keys are, are flipped um, but it's just the same sort of keyboard so it can be tuned to a familiar scale it's probably just intonation we've already done that on this show and it was confusing enough and nobody liked it so we're not going to go into it again but basically it's like a piano plus a violin but there's also a wheel in there for some fucking reason now you understand the hurdy-gurdy right yeah so it's like somewhere between a violin, accordion, and bagpipes. Well, bagpipes and accordion are wind instruments, so... Yeah, but it has the drone strings and the drone tone, which makes it have... It carries certain bagpipe-like qualities as it's being played in the song, I think. Yes, certainly functionally it does. Um, yes, that's absolutely true. So you can hear the, the, the drones that are staying the same, and it's sometimes hard for especially if you're not like a trained musician to hear like to separate those noises in your brain because any sound is built up of a couple different pitches that come together to make the timbre of the instrument and that's as far as I'm going to explain about that yeah, thought, but <laughs> we're not doing this again proceeds to do it again but it, that means that when you have these drones they are intentionally so that they like they uh, thicken the texture of this instrument. So it can be hard to tell here's where that drone string is and here's where that melody string is because, first of all, it's all being played at the same time by the same wheel. So there's no like delay between the two, even if it's not uh, something you can identify. Your, your ear might be able to hear that delay if it were happening. Uh, but also because of the way that the instrument is, is tuned and constructed, it is intended to be one sound in total. Okay, there's one more part of the hurdy-gurdy that I want to talk about. And the reason I want to talk about it is because it's, first of all, it's incredibly cool to me. And second of all, 
uh, it's used in this song. So you can listen to the song and hear what I'm talking about. I mentioned that there are drone strings. There might be another, there might be drone strings that are tuned to the same note as the melody strings when they're open. That means when no keys are being pressed. There might be one other drone string on the opposite side of the instrument that is tuned uh, to a different note. That string on certain hurdy-gurdies and including the hurdy-gurdy that Pablo Ursusen is playing on this song has uh, something called a buzzing bridge. So a bridge is a piece of wood that the string goes over, right? Right. <laughs> At the bottom. Yeah, very important piece of a violin. It holds the strings up. Right, and it, it, it keeps the tension. And resonates. So a buzzing bridge is like if your bridge is all fucked up, but you did it on purpose because this is a hurdy-gurdy and I rules see. don't matter anymore. Yeah, it's like distortion for a guitar. Right. The hurdy-gurdy was like the electric guitar before the guitar. <laughs> the way that this buzzing bridge works is you have this bridge that's sort of loose underneath that drone, which is sometimes called the uh, the trumpet, uh, if the trompette in French, on French instruments, which again is like most of where hurdy-gurdies probably come from in their current form, maybe it's confusing. Um, and that string is also uh, connected with another string to uh, a knob that is on the the normal bridge of the instrument. This is getting really confusing. But the point is, this uh, trumpet string is both resting on a bridge and also is under tension with another string. And that's important because the bridge that it is resting on rather than being a solid thing that is keeping it in perfect tension is something that can move. And so you still need that tension from the other string to make it not like fall off of the instrument. What you can do is depending on the way that you turn the crank, if you can turn it sharply rather than smoothly as you would while you're playing the instrument, um, then that will jostle that buzzing bridge and make the, that string sort of buzz and and like smack against uh, the you can hear the bridge oh. sort of hit against the body and so at the beginning of the song like about 45 seconds in you're going to hear the hurdy-gurdy come in and you're going to hear a really rhythmic like bzz, 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 bzz. I don't know the, the, the rhythm is but you'll hear it because I'm going to put it in here um, and that is still the same instrument that is playing the melody and those drone sounds it's just that the guy who's turning the crank is also jolting the crank as he's turning it smoothly for the other strings and one of those strings is doing this rhythmic buzz. And this is like, in this song, it's a pretty complex and like specific rhythm that he's doing here. And you can just imagine uh, how difficult that is to be controlling while you're also playing the instrument with your left hand and, and hitting the keys and you have to be turning the crank and you can't mess that up or it's gonna mess up all the other strings at the same time. It's so fucking cool. Honestly, that is like an intended use of this instrument. It's built into it, and uh, how it's it's not even like it's it's something that you can do like in addition or separately. It it happens along with you playing the rest of the instrument. So it's 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 so complicated and it's so cool how skilled this dude is playing this instrument. This is amazing. I had no idea. I I figured out 
that there was the drone and the melody was being played by the same instrument. I had no idea that that percussion was being caused by the hurdy-gurdy as well. That is so cool. And I, right? the, yeah, just the amount of skill that goes into accurately playing something like that. Whew, remarkable. Okay, that's the hurdy-gurdy. But there's another instrument here that sounds made up, and that is the Swedish nukelharpa. <laughs> so, the Swedish nukelharpa is going to be a lot easier to explain because it is basically a combination of a violin and a hurdy-gurdy. Wait a second. Hold on. Hold on. We just <laughs> did that the hurdy-gurdy was the combination of the violin. You're telling I know, me we're recombining like, the violin combined thing? Yes, it gets more complicated. Mm. There's a little mandolin in there too, but okay, we'll talk about that. Okay, so the Swedish nukelharpa, uh, which means key harp, nukel meaning like you're pressing keys. That's the hurdy-gurdy part. So uh, it looks like a hurdy-gurdy if you stretch it out a bit. And instead of you took out the wheel, Gabe, the wheel's gone and we're back to the bow again. So that's the violin part. You're playing a bow on top of the strings again. Okay, okay. And you have keys that are that are pushing in the strings in the exact same way that they are in the hurdy-gurdy. But the difference is the nukelharpa uh, has strings with different uh, tunings. So like a violin, it might have four strings that play four different notes when you don't when you're not pressing any of the keys. Unlike the hurdy-gurdy which is basically just one big note on four different strings when you're turning the crank with no keys. Uh, so this is like a keytar, but for a violin. No, it's not. It's like a keyed violin. And that's why it's called the Nukelharpa. <laughs> Andrew, what an amazing journey to folk So hey, Gabe, guess oh, what? Not I'm done. not done yet. Oh, I'm not shit. done explaining the Nukelharpa. That's, so it has the keys... It has uh, differently tuned strings, which means it also has to have uh, a couple different uh, sets of keys because, of course, on a hurdy-gurdy, all the melody strings are are, uh, tuned to the same note. So you're just pressing one key and it's fretting however many melody strings that you have to the same note. But for the nuclear harpa, you might have you would have three different strings, which means you have three rows of keys. So there's like three layers of it, um, with these cool, weirdly shaped keys that you are pressing. So it's also kind of like an organ. Yes. Yeah, so it's it's like weirdly complicated that like that. Although you can play it with just one hand and covering all these different layers of keys, you could be f- pressing in multiple keys with one finger, uh, and I imagine. That gets complicated, but also you are not constrained in the same way by the hurdy-gurdy where you have to be playing all the strings at once or none of the strings. The nukelharpa, you are controlling it with the bow, so you can play it like you're playing a violin. We're not playing all of the strings at once. You're playing a melody across all the different strings and jumping between them with the bow and with the keys. But there are more than just four strings on the nukelharpa. Yeah, I'm looking at a picture. It looks like there's like 16, 12? There's tons. 
Who kn- nobody knows how many. Nobody's ever counted it. Uh, but there's one. There's one drone string at the bottom. There's three strings that have keys associated with them. Each one has its own uh, little keyboard, and each one is a different length. Um, the keyboard is a different length, which you'll see if you see a picture of it. And then between all those strings are a bunch of smaller other strings, and those are sympathetic strings. Those you are never actually playing. You're not playing with the bow, and they're not getting touched by the keys. They are tuned to all different notes in the scale so that whenever you are playing a note on one of the strings that has a key in it, another one of the little strings is going to vibrate sympathetically with that because it is uh, because it's tuned to the same way. If you have uh, what the, the vibration of that of another string at that frequency, then that it's like sympathetic string is going to vibrate at the same time and thicken that texture. This is insane. This is an insane instrument. Isn't that who came wild? Up with it? Okay, first of all, who came up with this instrument? How popular was the it? Swedes. And no wonder no nobody plays it anymore. Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> nobody likes it. Just get a uh, piano. But it's incredibly cool. Uh, but it's super cool. So you should watch this and see Georg Böhner playing it he's sitting uh next to pablo and uh, at the beginning he's playing he's actually not even using the keys he's just sort of using like harmonics with his fingers like you would with another string instrument he's using his left hand on top of the strings and just touching them lightly to change the pitch and it makes it much softer and then he switches to the keys and you can start to hear like the clack of these keys as he's playing it and uh he's playing with the bow in those keys and it's a different sound, and, and it's he's sort of, I was about to say playing second fiddle. Uh, he is sort of playing second nukelharpa uh, to the hurdy-gurdy in this song, but I really recommend watching this video because you can see how they interact and how they uh, play off one another. There's a part where uh, Pablo is sort of playing a solo, and you can see him nod at at Georg and he comes in with his own thing and can you can really hear the different sounds of those two instruments. Wildly cool. Wow. Andrew, we're only doing new music this week, but we might as well highlight any other records that we have had a chance to listen to on this one day of listening to new music. Anything else that caught your eye? In more uh, unconventional instrument news, if you are interested in my new pick here, you might also be interested in uh, Dino Saluzzi's album Albores, which is solo accordion. And I thought it was fucking great. Now, is it an accordion, Andrew, if we're being correct about it? What? Isn't it a bandoneon? Oh, I mean, probably. I guess so. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know what the difference is. Look, Gabe, I was not going to go into the, like, explain (laughs) what another instrument was. Now, how exactly does an accordion work? Um, It is excellent. Holy shit. I listened to that whole album today. Amazing. There is... 
a very Gabe album is what Andrew would call it by a band called Dig a Wolf. Mm-hmm. The album is titled High Arctic. It's like rhythmic and there are low vocals and it's good. Um, there was a really cool sort of psychedelic folky rocky thing from Heather Trost called Petrichor. Um, it's there's only like six tracks on there, but it is a full, you know, it's a good like 40 minutes long. I loved an EP that came out from Thunder Dreamer titled Summer Sleeping. It is indie rock. Indie pop rock. Indie pop indie folk, folk pop rock. They're from Indiana. Madison Cunningham put out a, a short EP of just four cover songs that are all really good. I recommend it. And before I found uh, this song, I was like, you think Gabe would let me bring in like a Tom Waits cover? But I didn't have to worry about that. But you should check it out. It's called Wednesday. There is a drum and bass album from an artist named Crust with a K titled The Edge of Everything. It's their f- his first release in like, 20 years oh but it's like space drum and bass space like uh listen if you like space and you like bass music that talks about race and you like okay drum and bass this anything is else you, you want to get a fourth one in there no comedy comes in threes andrew that's a good point and after you've had your fill of our comedy. After you've stuffed your face. You could maybe even get a little bit more of it on our Twitter page that Andrew runs. At Fresh Pressed Pod. We have a Spotify playlist with pics from the show that we leave in the show notes below in your podcast app, wherever you get your podcasts. We'll be back with a real episode. And by real, I mean full episode. And by full, I mean containing also a theme on November 17th. But until then... My name is Gabe. My name is Andrew. And you have been listening to Fresh Press.